Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on the gates of praise. Here's a thought. A city with walls but no gates is not entirely safe. Would you agree? A city with walls but no gate is not entirely safe. If you look at Isaiah 60, verse 18, I'm going to read from the Passion. Threats of violence will no longer be heard in your land, nor will destruction and ruin be found within your borders. You will name your walls salvation and your gates praise. You'll name your walls salvation and your gates praise. And so here's a beautiful thing. We come into the kingdom through salvation, through the blood of Jesus, for forgiveness of our sins, right? Claiming him as our Savior and as our Lord by faith, right? And so we have walls, and those walls are our salvation. We're secure inside those walls of salvation. But how many people, since you have come into those walls of salvation, have yet had your brains beat in by the adversary of your soul. And so I believe it, we have walls, but we don't have gates. So our city can just be overrun. And so we have to have gates, and the gates are made of praise. It's kind of like God made the walls around our city through salvation. He made them. He built them. He made them secure, but he left it up to us to build the gate. And so we can determine how fortified our city is based on how secure our gates are. I had a picture to take it a step further of Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 says that we are to put on the armor of God, right? And so, do anybody know what the helmet is? The helmet of salvation. I wanted to put a helmet on, but it would have messed up my hair. (laughs) So I didn't bring it, because post-helmet off, I would have looked funny, right? I know I look funny already, but that's okay. So, we have this helmet of salvation that protects us, but helmets have openings, right? And what is the primary place that is open on helmets? It's the place where four of our five senses are, okay? So, we've got our mind protected by this wall, But there is an opening. I think we can learn a lot from David and Goliath, okay? We can learn a lot about the faith of David, but we can also learn about what kind of helmets to wear from Goliath. No? Okay? And so these little stones, I mean, you can have the shield of faith to quench all the fiery darts and the helmet of salvation, you know? We've got all these things, but we got this big opening place for all of our senses because we still want to make room for all of our senses, you know? We want to have faith, and then we want to have our senses, right? We want to believe what God says, and then we want to make sure we're in touch with reality. So we want to keep all of our senses 
open, which leaves us susceptible to attack. And we want to leave all that open. And I just saw this picture where praise, thanks, coming from our lips. I don't know about anybody else, but I just, I want to get so out there that people think I'm weird. Anybody else want to get so out there people think you're weird? Like last year I did, I don't know when, we did a series on Stranger Things, and we just talked about Stranger Things, and you know, the, the greatest things, the strangest things in the world are the things of the kingdom, right? We defy all laws of physics, right? We're a, a peculiar people. That's weird, right? Not weird just for the sake of being weird, right? But aligning ourselves with the kingdom of God, which looks weird to the world, I'm tired also of people just being weird to be weird and trying to make me be weird. You're not spiritual because you're not weird. You need to do this and this. No, man, come on. I don't need to do that. I don't need to do it like you do it. But I want to be weird. I want to start really, you know, we got all these Avenger movies. We got all these supernatural things. And I'm, I'm tired of just like being normal. I want to be Super normal. I want to be supernatural. I want to be so different. I want to be like what we're supposed to be. I want to look like my father who is like God of the universe. I'm so tired of looking like dad of my dad, my life. I don't want to just look like Jerry Cox. I want to look like Jehovah, right? I want to look like God. I want to exhibit, exhibit who he is. And so... I don't know. I just, I want the, the realm of the kingdom to be more real than the realm of this planet. I want to, I want to see things that aren't as though they are. And then I want to declare them to be so. And I want to see things come about that aren't even there. I want to be looking at situations and circumstances and seeing right through them to the kingdom potential and the purpose in them. I want to see strategy. I mean, I want to have like uh, those helmets that they wear and it dissects every situation, tells them what is going on in the room and what the next movie is. I want to see through situations and see God's intention in it. And I want to align myself in righteousness with what his will is. And I want to be an I want to be one that invokes the kingdom and brings about what he's trying to accomplish in those situations. And so I don't know, call me crazy, but I just saw, we got this opening, and I believe that praise, it says, praise continuously. Let praise be continuously on your lips, right? And so I believe that we just like, our words of praise and our words of thanksgiving just make cover this whole area. And so we've got our senses open, and every time our senses are lying to us, okay, and we just say what God says about a situation, and we declare the truth about the situation, the real reality about the situation, it just covers all this area, and we begin to see through what we've just said. You know, we begin to hear through what we've just said. You know, when you say God is good, you not only say that, but you hear that. And so we, we praise continuously. We give thanks continuously. And guess what we hear continuously? We hear continuously in our ears God being magnified and exalted above our situations and our circumstances. See, we're believers, not feelers. 
We're believers, not censors. We're believers. We believe things. We believe things that sometimes we can't see. We believe things sometimes that are contrary to our current situation, but we're believers. And so we agree with what we believe, and we say it, and we speak it, and we declare it, and it changes what we see. I can just see fiery darts come in. You know, you've got your shield, faith. You've got all these things happening. And so you've got this spot right here. And I can see just like that stone was coming at Goliath, those darts try to find that open space in you. And it's coming in and it's trying to penetrate your mind. It's trying to destroy the way that you think. It's trying to come against. It's a, it's a, it's a lie that's exalted against the knowledge of Christ. It's something that comes in and it tries to say he's not who he says he is. He won't do what he says he'll do. Satan did it in the garden. Did he really say that? Did he really mean that? And those things try to come in and I just see right now, God, I trust you. It's almost like you can just, you know, we got all these defensive things, but that's kind of like you can just go around and you can just see them coming and you say, that's a lie. I love you. And they just stop. You just keep your all this area protected. I mean, you've got your helmet of salvation. You're saved. But how many times do we let things creep in? Into our helmet. And just roam around inside that helmet. And do all kinds of damage. Not to be gross or morbid. But if something that is destructive... Access is inside the helmet. It's going to do a lot of damage in there, right? It's just going to bounce around inside there and do all kinds of damage. And so we can't let things get inside there, even though we've got our helmet of salvation on. Come in there and do damage. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Look at it in the Passion. Let joy be your continual feast. Make your life a prayer. And in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks, for this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus. I'm going to dissect this verse, I think, over the next few weeks. We'll see where we end up. But I believe the key to mental health is giving thanks in every situation. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. I believe that we are tormented in our minds even though we're inside the walls of salvation. And we're inside the helmet of salvation. But mental health, the key to mental health is giving thanks in every situation, being able to see the redemptive hand of God in all things. God, would you give us eyes to see rightly what's really going on? Romans 12, 2 says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. 
And people want to know what the will of God is. We just saw it in 1 Thessalonians 5. For this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. But the only way we can do that is if our mind is transformed. Then we can prove that will of God. You can't rejoice always unless your mind's transformed. You can't rejoice in every situation unless you can really see what's going on past what it feels like is going on. You can't, you can't give thanks in everything when everything sometimes looks like it's there to take you out. Complaining empowers the inferior to undermine your faith. Complaining only happens when we're more mindful of our problems than we are of God. Yeah. It's impossible to complain. Y'all can try it when you go home. It's impossible to complain when you're more aware of God's goodness than your problem. If you're more aware of God's goodness than your problem, it's impossible to complain. If you're overwhelmed by him, it's impossible to be overwhelmed by the world. But we choose to be overwhelmed by the world because we let our mind be conformed. We, we, we put off a transformed supernatural mind that can really discern the truth and really know what's really going on. And we trade that for a conformed carnal mind that's subject to all the laws. I'm so tired of all the laws. I want to have a mind that's free to dream. I want to have a mind that's free to believe. I want to have a mind that can listen to what the Lord says and believe it and see it come to pass. I don't want to have to fight through all of the torment all the time about conformed thinking. I say it all the time. People say, I'm confused. I say, you're not confused. You're conformed. You've spent too long filtering everything through the way the world sees things. Now you can't discern what God is saying. You're trying to process the kingdom through the lens of the world, and you can never figure it out. you got to have your mind transformed. Ephesians 3.20 helps us transform our mind. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask, think, according to the power that works in us. In us. There's never, expression, there's never an expression of faith where grace isn't released. You'll never exercise your faith where God won't meet you with the release of his grace. But there's never a promise of grace that won't require a release of faith. Yeah. I talk to a lot of people about a lot of different situations in life, and I wish, I wish, I, wi I do wish, because I just, I, I love people, and I wish there were ways to get where they want to go without any faith. I could just walk them right through it. Two plus two is four, right? Multiply it times three is 12. And 12 times six is whatever, 72. Why did I? I'm the one giving the problems, and I still gave numbers that are too big for me to do in my head. 72, right? Be so awesome if I could just navigate it all around. I would be the hero, right? I would know everything, too. Yeah. So that would be pretty fulfilling, right? We all love to have the answer, right? I love to sit with people and have the answer. 
Nine out of ten times I don't. I say, man, whew, we need a miracle. Yeah. We, we need to take this to the Lord. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us here. <laughs> we need to ask the Holy Spirit to give us direction because I make a mess out of it when I try to tell people how to get there. But there's some things I know, and I know it's going to take faith to get to promise. And people will come to me and they'll have 10 different paths laid out of how they can get to where they want to go. And all of them are, have no obstacles in them, you know, because we're smart. We're, we're humans. I mean, we, we plan our paths, you know, to avoid obstacles yeah. when we're conformed. But if we're transformed, we don't see obstacles as obstacles. We see obstacles as opportunities for God to manifest his glory and just show out again, right? And so we say, man, that place has got obstacles. Give me a bigger one. I want some more obstacles. Caleb said, I want the land with the biggest giants in it. I've said this before. You know, God did not give them all of the land because he said they couldn't, they couldn't handle it. They wouldn't be able to maintain it. So what he did was, is he left the giants on the land to keep the land in good shape. So a lot of y'all's future, a lot of y'all's destiny, a lot of your purpose and the plans God has for you, it's got giants on it and you're freaking out and you're trying to find another way to go. And God's like, hey, I've got those giants there. They're taking care of that till you get there. Your land comes with free giant gardeners. That's awesome. It's more better. It's more better for you. Don't you want it? But you can't see that unless you have a transformed mind. All you see is giants opposing you. You can't see giants working for you. You can't see giants being your bread and filling your stomach when all you see is giants killing you and eating you. We know they said, we're like, man, this ain't anywhere in what I was going to talk about. But, you know, they said, we saw ourselves like grasshoppers. We were like grasshoppers, and so that's how they saw us. When they went in to spy out the land, they saw themselves like grasshoppers, so that's how they saw us. If they had saw things rightly, they would have all agreed with Joshua and Caleb that said, by all means, let's go. Let's go in and take the land. But we have to be transformed. Optimism is believing the unlikely is possible. This isn't about being optimistic. Well, this, I think it's going to be okay. I think possibly it's going to work out good. And things are going to be good. Optimism is believing the unlikely is possible. There's a chance the glass is half full. Right? Faith, real faith is believing the impossible is inevitable. In John chapter 6, when Jesus feeds the 5,000, he takes the five loaves and two fish, and he gives thanks, and it multiplies. See, I mean, if we see things right, we see giving thanks as a supernatural weapon yeah. that zaps stuff. And multiplies it. Yeah. Giving thanks over it makes what formerly was not enough become enough. Yeah. We got like supernatural weapons. Like, 
man, this isn't enough. This $20 ain't enough. Thank you, God, for this $20. Thank you, God, for giving me the ability to earn this $20. Thank you, God, for the bind. Thank you, God, for the body. Thank you for the ability. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And then we see what wasn't enough multiply into enough just out of a heart of thanksgiving. We'll take our thanksgiving so far. I'm so thankful for this $20, God. I just want to sow this $20. What? It ain't even enough. What are you doing? How thankful are we? And then it multiplies. Giving thanks multiplies what's not enough and makes it enough. Look at 1 Timothy 4. We'll try to bust through these real quick. 1 Timothy 4. Now the Spirit speaketh, verse 1, expressly that the la in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of, doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth." So we can receive meats that people say we can't receive if we know the truth and believe and give thanks. This is just talking about when people say you can't eat meat or those things. Look at verse 4. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it re is received with thanksgiving. Because it's sanctified by the word of God in prayer. I think it's 1 Corinthians 8. In 10, it talks about eating meat that's sacrificed to idols. And the instruction is, if someone serves you meat and it's been sacrificed to idols, but they don't specifically tell you it's been sacrificed to idols, then just give thanks for it and eat it. If they tell you it's been sacrificed to idols, don't eat it because it'll affect their conscience. They can't know that you know. Because then they'll think it's okay. We can't let them know it's okay, but we know it's okay if we give thanks for it. That makes sense? But here's the cool thing. Like, this is meat that's sacrificed to idols. This is supposed to harm you and defile you, according to the law. So, but when I give thanks for it, it changes what was meant to harm me and defile me into something that can nourish me and edify me by being thankful for it. That supernatural weapon of thanksgiving, the transformational force of thankfulness can make what's not enough enough. It can make what could harm you help you just by how you receive it with thanksgiving. Romans 8, 28, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Our ability to have faith during difficult circumstances depends on our ability to remember who he is, what he's done, and what he said. Not only give thanks in crisis, but also for the crisis because it's not the end, and God will redeem it for his glory. You know, we, sometimes we try to give thanks in a crisis. Well, Lord, I'm still thankful for you know, this and this. We try to look for something thankful. If you're in the middle of a crisis and you're trying to look for something thankful and you're having a hard time finding something, just go ahead and thank him for the crisis. 
Here's the deal. Like, we either believe it or we don't. I was thinking about this. Like, I don't play a lot of card games. But I think I understand in some capacity of cards, I think 21 and probably lots of other ones, you get a card or whatever and then you got to say, hit me or something. Is that right? Hit me, give me a card, whatever. All right, give me another one. Give me a card. Here's the deal. Life, it just gives cards. Gives cards, give cards, give cards. But if all the cards work together for my good, then life is not a gamble. Life is not a gamble. Life is not a bluff. We're not bluffing like in poker. We're trying to bluff the enemy till he leaves us alone. We're trying to talk big so he knows we're serious, right? Do we really, a, a conformed mind says, oh my goodness, everything depends on what this card is. Everything depends on whether or not I get that promotion. Everything depends on whether or not that person treats me right. Everything depends on how tomorrow is going to go. Everything depends on whether they call me back or not or text me. Everything depends on some circumstance, some situation. Everything depends on it, and I'm so nervous to see what it's going to be. And based on how good it is, is whether or not I'm going to be thankful or I'm going to enter into prayer and fasting. Bind the devil, right? Sometimes we spend so much time binding the devil, we glorify him more than we do God. But if we really have a transformed mind, every time they lay a card, yep, that's a good one. That's a good one. Thank you for that card. You don't even know what it is yet. I do too. That's one of them cards that works for my good. That's one of them cards that I know. I mean, it don't matter what it is. It don't matter what happens when you turn it over. That card right there is going to put me over the top. Well, that's stupid. I want to be stupid to the world. I love it. Why don't we let the world that don't know the first thing about mental health teach us about how to have a healthy mind? Oh, I'm sorry. Tell me how to, tell me how to analyze my life then. Tell me a more constructive way to not want to kill myself then. World, you're doing a bang-up job of dude, handling yourself so well. There's just such an amazing thing in our culture about just hope and peace and joy and freedom, Right? think we need some crazy people. We need some peculiar people. We need some people who walk through a day and the rest of the people at your office are saying, man, this thing might go south today. And we say, that'll be awesome. <laughs> Seriously, I've been kind of dry lately. I haven't seen any real big miracles lately. Everything's just kind of been happening for me. Like I went to the mall last night. I got a front row spot. I've been needing some, a little bit of adversity so I can see God do some big stuff. So just lay it on out there on the table. Watch this. We're so scared to say, watch this. Watch this. And then when people in the world see the cards flip over, 
and they knew it was a two, and all of a sudden it's an ace. They're like, what is going on? How did he come out of that smelling like roses? How did he come out of that with such joy and peace? How was he thankful even before we knew it was going to work out? What's hilarious is I'm just like playing, giving a little analogy. I just took these cards out of the box. Look at that. I got all kings. That's pretty good or something, ain't it? I don't know. That was not planned, but I like it. Every time it's a king, bam, 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 bam. Man, I just got a bad hand. I just been dealt this. I just been dealt this. You don't understand. You don't understand. You don't know. You don't know what's happening. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know all that stuff. No, I don't. But I know God can work it for your good. I know you can come out on top. I know that you're supposed to be thankful in all things. So you need to find a reason to be thankful for all that stuff I don't know about. Let's get together and thank God for it. Next time somebody says, you don't know where I've been, say, no, I don't. Won't you tell me, and then let's thank God for it. Well, let's talk about it. Let's thank God for it, because he's obviously setting you up for something amazing. Not just thanking him in the crisis, but thanking him for the crisis. Mark chapter 4, we love it. It's a story where he says, hey, let's go over to the other side of the lake and they get out in the middle and a storm comes and Jesus is asleep in the bottom of the boat and his disciples are freaking out. Wake him up. We could go 10 different ways. You've probably heard 15 sermons about this passage. But here, I just want to like just say this one thing. In the middle of the storm when they thought they were going to drown, what did he say? What did he say before that storm? Let's go to the other side. They just said, man, this storm looks bad. This is crazy. I wonder how we're going to get to the other side. This is going to be really cool. I thought this was going to be a boring trip to the other side. This is going to be so much fun. I mean, I know I'm getting to the other side, so I'm not going to die. I'm not going to drown. I'm not going to perish. I'm getting to the other side. So this just makes it fun. But what did he say? Timothy was commanded, Son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you fight the good fight. you got to take the prophecies. You've got to take the words that have been said. That's why we're tasting and seeing on Wednesday nights. We need a prophetic culture that is alive with prophetic word you know, that people can be told, man, I see you coming out of this. I see God moving and working, and he can speak through this body to one another. But he told Timothy, you've got to fight with. Those words are your weapons. You fight with the words that have been spoken. What did he say? What did he say? And when everything looks different than what he said, you've got to fight with what he said. You've got to remember what he said. If we trust him, if we believe him in a storm, why would we think we're going to drown? Jesus got confused. Hey, let's go to the other side. Psych. Never mind. Let's go to the other side. I'm going to go take a nap and let y'all deal with the storm. 
Let me condition y'all to understand when I say we're going to the other side, we're going to the other side. That's going to be valuable information for y'all in the future. When I say I'm coming back, I'm coming back. When I say I'm dying, I'm going to raise again, I'm going to raise again. You're all going to need to understand when I say we're doing something, we're doing it. When I say we're going to the other side, we're going to the other side. It doesn't matter what else happens. And y'all need to get to the place where you can sleep with me in the bottom of the boat because you believe what I said. Because I didn't say it unless I saw it, and that's why I'm asleep. We need to be able to see it and say it and sleep. Joseph said in Genesis 15, 20, as for you, you meant evil against me. Remember, he got thrown in the pit, left for dead. They decided, no, we'll sell him, make some money off of him, sold him into slavery, went to Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife came on to him, accused him of coming on to her, got put in prison, got abandoned by the butcher and the baker, I believe, butler and the baker, and then came out and he's made prime minister of Egypt. He says, you meant it for evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring about this present result, to preserve, preserve many people alive. Not just being thankful in the crisis, but being thankful for the crisis. What did he say, Joseph? Well, he said, all my brothers were going to bow down to me. He said this, he said that, he said that. Where are you at in your process right now? And what did he say? What dreams did he put in your heart? Who did he say you're going to be? Who did he say you're going to walk in? What you're going to walk in? Whatever is that you're facing right now, you've got to be able to see through it. You've got to be able to see past it. And you can be thankful for it. Man, I wish I could go back. I shared a little bit of a testimony last week. I wish I could go back to some of those crises that I walked through. I wish I was thankful for them then. It would have made the journey a lot more fun. Sometimes it's hindsight is twenty twenty. And we're thankful for crises, and we're thankful for struggles, and we're thankful for things on the other side. But when do we get to the point where, where our mind can be transformed to where we actually believe what he says, even in the crisis? Before we see the fruit, before we see it. See, I believe he gives you those words. He gives you the word. He gave Timothy the prophecy. He gave us the word. He went to the promised land, and he had them bring back grapes as big as your head so that you would endure the wilderness, so that you would fight. In the presence of your enemies, look at, look at Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You've anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
I just can see, I really believe that he prepares that table before you in the presence of your enemies. And then he goes into your promise and he brings the grape from the promise back. And at that table, in the presence of your circumstance and your enemy and the overwhelming situation and the seemingly hopeless problem and, and, and all that destitution, he puts that grape down on the plate. He says, take a bite of that. Take a bite of that right here in this crisis, right here in this place. Take a bite of that and be thankful for it. When will we get conditioned to look for the feast in the middle of the famine? When will we get ourselves conditioned like, man, this stinks. Where's the table? Where's the table? Now, this is almost more than I can bear, so where's the table at? Where's the feast at? Where's the promise at? Where's the taste? Where's the thing that makes me keep going? Where's the thing that reminds me? Because he's going to be faithful in every one of those situations to remind you of what he said. But why don't we look at it rightly? Oh, no, there's enemies. Well, if there's enemies, that means there's a feast. If there's enemies, that means there's a table. If there's enemies, I'm going to get to taste again that promise. He's going to give me another taste of it. Man, I've been, I've been missing a taste of it. I've been missing, I almost forgot what it tastes like. I've almost given up hope. Can somebody send some more enemies to me so that God will bring a table again and he'll let me taste my promise one more time? Because I'm getting complacent and I'm getting a little bit lazy. So bring it. Look at it in the passion. I just want to read this, and we're going to end here in just a minute. The Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. I can win with any hand, right? He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast, even when my enemies dare to fight. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of you until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return, I'll return to your glorious presence to be forever with you. <clears throat> Remember one time I was preaching a sermon on praise when I was, I was young, 
youth pastor. Just a point by point, I had all these things that the enemy says and then what God says in his word, and it was fun. And I remember even, even in, I mean, so many little points. If your father and mother forsake you, I'll take you in. If you've been abandoned, whatever it is. But then, even in death, death is swallowed up in victory. There's no card that you lose with. None. None. And the thing is, it rains on the just and the unjust. It's going to rain. It's going to rain. I go on mission trips, and I'm, I always make this speech going on a mission trip. I say, look, before we ever leave, before we ever leave the church to go to the airport, I mean, I tell them this in front of their parents. I say, look, we are not going to get a lot of sleep on this trip. We are probably not going to eat a lot of food you like on this trip. We are not going to sleep in very good accommodations on this trip. We are um, going to work really hard on this trip. Like, you're going to dig ditches all day. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. I mean, pretty much this trip is going to be physically, mentally exhausting. Like, period. We're going to stay up super late because we'll be traveling back from villages or whatever. And we're going to get up super early. I mean, it's going to be just about all your body can take for the next eight days, nine days. And some of you are going to come home and you're going to say that was the absolute best experience I've ever had in my entire life. And some of you are going to come home and say that was the absolute worst hell I've ever lived through in my entire life. Exact same experience. Exact same living conditions. Everything. It's just all going to be determined by how you see it. Whether you're able to see through the struggles and see through the pain and see through the problem and see through all that stuff and see the redemptive value, see the glorious light of the gospel being manifest, see what you're doing, see eternal value in your suffering and sacrifice, or whether or not you're just going to look at it through conformed mind. I didn't get sleep. I didn't. I didn't. It's all going to be determined by how you look at it. It's going to rain on your life. But what happens as a result of that rain is going to be determined by what you do with it. Are you thankful for the rain? Man, I know people... In this room, there's people in this room I can't even sympathize with. I can't even put myself in your shoes. So it may seem like callous for someone to even get up here and even suggest that you give thanks for things that I haven't walked through. 
And that's okay. I remember one time uh, a pastor that loved me more than any pastor I'd ever served under and finally was loved me enough to tell me the truth about a lot of things in my life. And one day, it's okay really when he was picking on me. I wasn't as upset, but one day he started picking on Jahan. I call it picking on. He started telling Jahan the truth about some stuff. And Jahan started crying, and he looked at me, and he said, you should, you're a good husband. You love your wife. You should want to punch me in the face right now. And that's totally understandable. And you may not want to work here anymore. Y'all may want to leave after this day. You may want to do all that. And that's totally understandable. But the truth is the truth. So today, there's some of you in here that may look at me and be like, who is this guy? He don't even know what he's talking about. He don't, he don't even know anything about rain. If he had to go through half of what I had to go through, he wouldn't be sitting up there talking about being thankful. I hope I would. I hope I would. Hey, and be thankful that there's somebody telling you to be thankful. Be thankful that somebody maybe isn't in the state of mind that you are by the circumstances that you've walked through so that there's somebody who is seeing enough to see what you need to see yeah. and is calling you higher and challenges you and encouraging you to do that. Yeah. I can't even imagine, but there's people that have suffered things worse than anything I can pull up in my mind in this room right now. And I've heard people say, I wouldn't change it. I've seen people walk through unimaginable loss I can't even comprehend. And they say, I wouldn't change it. I mean, if I could have what I have come to walk in with the Father and still have my baby, I would. But I'm not willing to take that chance. So I wouldn't change it what it developed in me, what it created in me. I don't have all the answers to why I think stuff. I believe all sickness and disease comes from Satan. Every bit of it. Why does it happen? Mental illness comes from Satan. Why does it happen? I don't know. Why are some people born with it? I don't know. Jesus answered them about the blind man blind from his mother's womb and they said why is he blind and he says who's seeing him or his mom and Jesus said and dad neither and I believe the sentence stops there and he says but if my father's going to be glorified we've got work to do I don't know where you're at I don't know what you've been through but if you're going to walk in joy yeah. and you're going to walk in peace He's glorified when you bear much fruit. So just go ahead and be full of joy. Go ahead and be happy. Go ahead and be free. I don't know why all this stuff happened. I don't. But I know he can work it for your good. I know. I know he can work it for your good. I've seen it happen too many times, and he's done it in my life. Y'all stand with me today.
so we can be thankful. <coughs> Excuse me. Somebody help her lay that kid down real quick. We got just a minute. Let's end together today. I didn't even know you were here. That's why I told her to come up here. I was like, I don't see Nolan, and he's not... He's not getting all my subliminal cues. <laughs> I want us to just take a minute together and respond today. I don't even know if they know the song I told them to sing. Do you? Prayer team, you can come on up. In a minute, we're going to give people a chance to just come up for prayer. So prayer team, would you come up to the front? Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.